Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast in what is our 10th season now of doing these shows. It's the first Monday show of the season. Sunderland are back in the championship and we have a 1-1 draw to talk about. So who have I got with me for that? Well, Gareth's here as always. Good evening. Evening. Cute to say something quirky. No, I no, no. did all that yesterday. Got out of the re- system. What, in the reaction, you mean? Yeah, yeah. So you're saying you need a drink in order to add heel? No, I just... No, I've got... I mean, nothing really has happened since yesterday, has it? it was, it's been pretty, pretty bog-standard Monday. That's a, well, I would have, I, I would have thought about you speak the, for yourself there. Some people might have had really exciting Monday. Well, <laughs> I mean, let's hear from the others and see if they, anything dramatic's yeah, happened. Thing well, is, I, I told my, my, bike, my, my scooter story, so I would have done that today had I not... Um, done it yesterday, so you know, that's not retry, re scoot old ground. Well, do uh tweet us if you had a really exciting Monday today and let us know uh, what made it so exciting. Um, but uh, yeah, I agree. I've, uh, I was off work last week, so I've um, obviously, I was, I, I I was off work last week as well. So I've very, you know, it's like when you're first year, but you're just catching up on like a million emails and all the boring admins. So that's pretty much been my idea as well. But this is boring in itself, so we'll move on. Um, <laughs> And uh, who else were joined by George? Johnny Lambert, who joined us kind of for a podcast debut. You did the Desert Island um, discs with us, Johnny, didn't you? But this is the your debut on the Monday show in the big in the big league. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, the mu- the music one was a bit fun, um, and I suppose I qualify for a Monday being a dar, so <laughs> that's something. Yeah, it's nice yeah. to be um, reviewing a, a one-one draw that doesn't make me feel despondent, to be honest. So. Mm, yeah. Um has your Monday been exciting? Uh just the early shift at work and uh uh been looking after my wife who's not been very well. So uh oh, bless you. Ter- see Mondays are yeah. not not sound awful now. I mean a terrible waste of time, Mondays. Well it is yeah. It's not a, a new a new um idea, come on, is it? That Phil, Monday... come on, Phil. Give well, us Phil, this is Give Phil Smith from Sunderland Ego is going to rescue this conversation and re- and, and, and in, in turn rescue the podcast. I've just been nursing a terrible hangover all day, so <laughs> absolutely nothing to add to the conversation. <laughs> which, which again is probably very much standard for a for a Monday, isn't it? I did see you actually. You, you, there were a group of you out yesterday. Did you have fun? I did see you in one of the pubs, didn't I? That yeah, was yesterday, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, watching the final. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. And then um, I had intended to be um, sensible. But then, yeah, won the Euros in it. So 
got to got to enjoy those moments. Well, the last first major tournament win in my lifetime, so it was good. Yeah, no, go yeah. enjoy Every, it. Everybody watch it. It was a good, good occasion, good final. Yeah, good quality. Good. Yeah, yeah. It was indeed, and uh, heavily Sunderland influenced that England team, of course, as well. Uh, I do think it would be funny if I like. I just thought for a joke if I like start like randomly text Beth Mains who would have an absolute clue who it was because I interviewed her once like 10 years ago or something like that. Yeah, she like, was on into the light, wasn't she? She came on into the light, yeah. Um, back when she was just starting to make a name for herself. Yeah, obviously yeah. she wouldn't have a clue who that was. But I did think it would be funny, but I'm obviously not going to do that because I'm not a, I mean, not you, a freak. You, 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 yeah, I mean, <laughs> it sounds like it would be funny. But to her, it would be quite scary. Yeah, so. like who on earth are you? Yeah, I know. Yeah. But yeah. It was funny in my mind for about five seconds, and then Maybe you obviously I'm it, not going to do it. And then it would have been <clears> funny for us. That, that would have been the way to do it. I would have enjoyed I'm it. I'm pretty sure she would just wouldn't have replied anything at all yeah. back. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I wouldn't have even been given a who's this. I wouldn't have even gotten that much attention. It would, have been a, it would have been a complete, yeah, block, number block, blocked. Um, block and report. Totally ignore, yeah. Uh, no, that was good. Well done. Well done, England, uh, for the uh, Euros win. So earlier in the day, Sunderland... Got off to the um, got their championship campaign off to a st- off to a start. Uh, well, look, first point the board, no, yeah. I guess. A, okay, a I, start. Yeah, 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 a start, a, a start a literal of start, a start of sorts. I mean, it's a minging, minging kickoff time, twelve o'clock on a Sunday, isn't it? There's no. We're talking about how crap Mondays are. There, surely nobody can disagree here that twelve o'clock Sunday is the worst kickoff time. Is that the yeah. worst combination? Can anyone think of a worse one? Well, I remember back when they used to do the Sunday Newcastle derbies at midday and they used to think they were being smart by stopping fans drinking and they'd just stay out on a Saturday night and then go to Weatherspoons at seven in the morning. Yeah. And it just became, it was completely counterproductive. I know TV rules kick off times these days and we've got some good coverage this month on Sky. So it's, I don't know, it's one of them. You can either be really pleased for the wider, wider audience, but as for us fans going to the ground, it's a bit of a ball ache. I just, I, I, you know, I know it's for Sky do it for, you know, their own broadcasting reasons. I just, I, I just can't believe that like the average Sky Sports paying customer is desperate to see Championship football at twelve o'clock on a Sunday. I just, yeah. I just don't, I just don't think they are. Um, but first game of the season, it was it rescued the atmosphere. I would say and it was a good display and everything beforehand. So, um, although someone did get off to a good start, Phil, I think are we in agreement that pretty much. Straight from kickoff, the 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 step up in quality of who Sunderland are going to be facing this season was was evident from the start, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember thinking it about forty minutes in. I felt knackered just because you're used to League One. You know, every few minutes you get about a minute while someone rolls around or the goalkeeper takes the ball from one edge of the six yard box to the other to take a goal kick, and it just the intensity, I think that was the thing for me. The intensity of the game was such a massive step up from from what we're used to. And I think you saw that in someone's performance in both halves, to be honest. I thought in both halves, they competed for this kind of first 25, 30 minutes and then really, really tired. Um, I think it's, you know, the speed of the counter-attacks, um, I think was noticeable as well. You know, as League One teams tend not to hurt you if you lose the ball in sort of their half, whereas you saw yesterday, Coventry were a threat every time, pretty much. So, yeah, I think it really did underline the intensity, um, how big a step up it is. And I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but I think certainly towards the end of the second half, some looked a couple of players light, didn't they? A couple of options light. Um, 
to try and, we, and change we, it. And we will get on to that second second part where we'll talk about potential signings and where we need certain upgrades and and stuff. Um, but I mean, yeah, and and you know what you're saying there, you noticed earlier the step up and. As difficult as it's been for Sunderland to get out of League One, been stuck down there, and they've obviously they've they've taken the appointment. It's taken the appointment of Alex Neil for them to get it right. But regardless of that, even when Sunderland are finishing like fifth in League One, which might seem crap to us, the majority of games at the Stadium of Light, Sunderland have ninety five percent of the ball every single game, and often get done on the counter attack. But it's very much a case of can we break them down? When will we break them down? And, and Coventry suddenly, from, from the first minute, Gareth are winning as many second balls as us, if not more second balls than us. The physicality is clear all over the pitch. Phil's just mentioned there, the quality in the counter-attacks. And, you know, Sunderland aren't, and we we, we, have, we did say this while we were in League One, if Sunderland got promoted, we aren't going to get the respect that we got when we were in League One, are we? No, I mean, it, it, was, it was kind of um, a bit of a rule verse on what we've seen for the last four years, wasn't it, where the lower sort of place team comes flying out the traps and, you know, the, the, the not burn themselves out. I mean, I don't think we burn ourselves out of 25 minutes, but oftentimes we, we'd see that with teams that do it to us and think, oh, they can't, they're not going to be able to keep that up for the entire game. And you ride that out and then, um, you know, you try and, you know, capitalise after that. Once you've ridden out that their spell and you sort of start to pick them off a bit, um. I think Alex Neal's comments after the game were correct in, you know, the, what he was saying with, you know, they're probably coming here thinking, well, we, we want to win this game. And it's a very different sort of prospect for us. Um, you know, the I, when we scored, I was like, oh, great. We're, you know, probably midway through the half and we've scored. And I looked and it was about 12 minutes. I was like, eh. Like, I felt like we've been playing for about half an hour. I, think, I never thought about it, Phil, like you're saying, like the, all the time wasting and balls out of play all the time, you know, that, that we was being used to the last four years just wasn't evident. And I think that's what got to them in the second half. They were just like mentally, I don't think we could, um, I just mentally, I don't think we could sustain the plan, whatever that was. Um, and as a result, that's why we conceded the equaliser. But apart from, I mean, that sitter, that, we missed on they missed um through the mistake from Neil. Um they didn't like uh, Patterson didn't really have a save to make, did he? So when you look at it that way, we even the long range the, one onto the bar. Yeah, the tip yeah, but you know that's not really a chance, is it? Um but the you know that he didn't really have to make any saves or anything. It wasn't like we were making like loads of blocks and we were under siege or anything. It was just they had a lot of the ball. But so if you think about it from that perspective we actually probably dealt with the with the pressure quite well, but I just thought it was those in front of the defenders maybe who didn't um, did couldn't do enough uh, to stop the the onslaught, um, which the the back four, back five, are we going to call it, and the goalkeeper stood up to quite nicely for the vast vast majority. Even it did take a really excellent goal for them to equalise. So. I mean, I wasn't devastated or really disappointed after the game. I kind of didn't know how to feel about it. It was, it was just a bit surreal. So it was a very different kind of a very different game to what we've been used to for the last four years. And it's just it's just difficult to make a, a, a judgment. Hmm. I think most people would be relatively happy 
with 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 that first game back to Portland to get the first point on the board. I mean, the, the team sheet at the start of the game, Phil, Luke O'Neill's absence interesting, and that he's gone for Neil and Embleton, the, the two people who can carry the ball and and and, and deem to have that bit quality. Whereas you know, or nine. Um, would have ratted about and, and, and got about the pitch from the start. So well, what does that say about Alex Neal's uh, intentions for, for playing in this league, do we think? Well, uh, it, it wasn't a huge surprise to me because he's obviously played Evans and Neil his, his partnership all the way through pre-season. When all nine's played, it's been part of you know the other side, if you like, and he's been shifted around the pitch a lot. So I was expecting to see Neil. I think that he really likes what he's seen from Dan Neal in pre-season. I think that was a big thing. I think he felt he'd probably seen the the quality that he'd heard about because he felt Neil was a bit more refreshed. And also, it, it, it's important to the club to play Dan Neal. You know, he's a potentially a huge talent um, and they want to give him opportunities because that's kind of the club model. So I wasn't, I wasn't hugely surprised to see Neil in the team at all. I thought he did really well for the first half an hour and then I thought he tired. And I thought maybe in the second half that error he made where he got caught on the ball and God missed it. I thought he maybe went into a shell a little bit yeah, after that, did. which I think is maybe you know hopefully just a, a positive learning experience. The only, yeah, the only. I'm, sorry, go sorry, on, go on, on. And I was just going to say about that Neil error. I think obviously he'll get the stick for giving the ball away. He shouldn't have received. He should have I mean, been why, given why, why yeah. is that passing to him like five yards at the end of the day? There, I mean, there's no absolutely no need to play that ball. I know they were sorting out between themselves after and. I think Bart was a bit like kind of having a go at Neil, but I thought, well, why? What it was just like a not the not a pass that you needed to make, you know. Yeah. There, like it was. I know Neil maybe shouldn't have come and received the ball, but you got to give an option. But I, yeah, it was just a bit of a mess. I thought that, I thought there was a lot of tired decisions happening on the ball. I think that what we probably saw is mentally it is so much more draining when the other teams dominate in possession than when you have it. And I think we saw that more and more as the game went on that there were a lot of tired minds as much as tired legs um, and I think that was kind of symptomatic of that and that was when you know when we spoke to Neil afterwards that was his main criticism he felt that as the game went on you know some of them were worse worse and worse on the ball in terms of the decisions they were making and that was where I think he felt that the you know that the momentum of the, momentum of the game switched that and the Coventry subs which made a massive difference Coventry brought four people on yeah. fresh legs experienced players and especially down that um, Sunderland's left where I thought Clark was excellent but was clearly flagging because he's been asked to do so much running. You know, I thought Coventry were able to bring two good players on um, and really exploit that as well. So, yeah, I, I was really I was really encouraged by a lot of what I saw. I thought a lot of the players who stepped up, you know, to the level for the first time looked solid. I thought Ballard was excellent as well. Um, I thought there was a lot to be positive about. I just thought you could tell that it was a very different kind of game for them. Um, and I thought in both halves, I thought they'd tired severely towards the end. Um, which is, you know, it is concerned with Coventry are a, a good side. I thought it was a, I thought it was a solid start, a bit underwhelming in the end, um, but but solid enough, I think. John, did Johnny, did you? We were talking about the subs, and we'll, in the second part, we'll get onto who we think we need to bring in a strength in the squad. But <clears throat> what do you think of the timings and and the substitutions generally by Neil? Because they, they came later than Coventry's, didn't they? And not as many of them. Yeah, I mean, I think the surprise was that he. Um, he kept, he kept Evans on, didn't he? Um, and I thought he may change that. Yeah, yeah. I think because um, it's such a, the midfield, such a busy role in that division, and he, Evans can't be the same player if he's not able to commit himself. Um, I thought Emberson played really well, um, and 
he was up with the pace. He could, um, he's certainly being two-footed is more than capable um, of matching anyone he's up against in that division. Um, so I was a bit surprised he came off unless he was blowing. But, um, and, you know, Roberts didn't quite get into the game um, when he came on. Obviously, Pritchard was, he gives 100% every time he plays and that was noticeable by getting man the match. He tends to set the tone for us in our, in our attacks. Um, in contrast with, with Coventry, you know, they, like, like Phil said, they made four substitutions, made three at the same time. He's got a bench there he can trust. He's got five strikers at his disposal. And um, they're all seasoned championship footballers. So there's no risks on Mark Robbins' part and who he brings on. He's confident in what he's doing. And at the moment, I still feel like Alex Mills building up a little bit of trust in the players he's got and what he's trying to do. Whether that was a, whether was the move to try and see the game out as 1-0, probably with 0-9 coming on as a defensive option. But I think him playing in midfield doesn't quite work for us. And I know it's a narrative we go on and on and on about he's, his best role is right back for us. But 0-9 consistently puts himself in the wrong side of the ball to make tackles and that's why he fouls a lot he makes panic tackles and the goal that um Yokura scores he kind of uh, Onan kind of sells Evans up the river because he just puts a courtesy kind of toe in and he doesn't commit himself because he, again he's the wrong side of the player Evans has backed off and then that's that room just completely opens up to the equalizer so I, I get what Alex Neal's doing in principle and bringing 09 on as that kind of like that ratting type player. Um, but, you know, the bench is looking stronger for us now. And then, um, you know, I, I, and maybe he could have trusted one or two more players, maybe given uh, Sims a go up top and maybe try to defend from the front a little bit, have someone to hold the ball up a bit more. I mean, we know the work rate that Ross Stewart's got. And he, he kind of does the job of two strikers at some times. It's almost plays a nine and a ten at times, goes looking for the ball. And I'm that may have given us yeah. may have given us a better outlet <clears throat> defending from the front. I was surprised. I was surprised he didn't make that change. Because Roberts came on later than I thought he was going to come on. And yeah. I thought Stewart, as always, runs himself in the ground and yes, he can always get you a goal and all. Sims might have just come through the door, but yeah, I, was surprised, I was surprised he didn't make that change as well to try and just put somebody else on there some fresh legs to hold the ball further up the park and just relieve a bit of pressure uh, the ref didn't I'll... help us relieve any pressure by the way it was, it was you know Coventry deserved the draw they probably shared it I think a draw was a fair result Coventry slightly better than Sunderland I think we would probably all agree on the day um, but as Gareth said they didn't really slice us open or anything I thought Pogba was probably a fair result uh, referee absolutely appalling and um was there a foul in the lead up that goal? I haven't watched any of it back, but from where I was, um, I thought it was. I thought I don't know. If, I, can't, I can't remember who it was. was a challenge in the middle of the park or on the left hand side. It might have been Clark, one of our players, like all yeah. over him, jumping, leaning on top of him, and getting his shoulders and all over I mean, him, and then didn't get the foul. There was I a mean, few of them, though, wasn't it? Where I mean, that was a bad one in the second half when he stewards down the right and he's got in front of the defender and he just seemed to well climb all over his back. <clears throat> And he didn't give anything. But then, then when you look, there was one in there where Bart just went into the into the defender shoulder, into the attacker shoulder, shoulder hour end, and he gives a free kick. But I didn't think the ref. I mean, I didn't think the referee was really terrible. He just disagree. He second just half, second half. Yeah. I thought he was terrible. 
His hair was terrible. Uh, and that's a brave referee coming to the stadium like wearing an Alice band and trying to grow grey hair out the way he was. Um, but it is a contrast from League One refs where they come to the stadium alight and it's a case of I'm in charge today. I'm I'm going to puff my chest out and I'm going to I'm going to put this big club down to size. Whereas we know that the quality of refereeing in the championship still isn't great, and other clubs in the championship will tell you that. Um, I thought. He missed a lot of fouls on Stuart, but we're used to Stuart mm-hmm. getting fouled a lot. We're used to him drawing fouls and not getting a lot. And sometimes he doesn't help himself with the way um, he maximises um, some of his diving with it at the, afterwards. But again, you'd expect the ref to um, to manage that. I've also heard that the refs have been um, directed now in the championship to allow a bit more contact, whereas in the Prem, we'll see all contact is a foul, but they're being guided now to let some contact go and maybe that was Darren Bond's interpretation of letting trying to let the physical element of the game flow and as Phil said earlier it's been worn out doing doing his bit uh, on the journo side is the ball stays in play a hell of a lot more in the championship and that was one of the reasons I think why the, the lads struggled so much in the second half was because they just keep punting the ball back out and it was just getting recycled and recycled and recycled. And that's, um, that's, that's one of the massive effects of the way the game's managed now and officiated in the championship. What did um, we think of, of Pritchard's interview at the end of the game? Everybody see it on Sky? I haven't I seen thought, it, no. Did you I see thought it? it was though? brilliant. I thought it was brilliant. He's a very articulate bloke and talks a yeah. lot of sense. Um, yeah. I, I wonder if there was an element of... Not doubt, but I almost feel like he's a bit concerned <laughs> that what we've got isn't isn't good enough. He was he was you know almost given off vibes to say like this is going to be really difficult this season. Yeah, I think he's obviously come from the Premier League club and he's played Premier League and he's played Championship and I think at the moment he Championship is where he feels his level is and I think he knows that he is surrounded by players that have not been exposed to that league. That's glaringly obvious, and it is going to take a bit of time. So I think I think he's just very realistic. I think he's managing that. But when you've got Alex Neil coming out as well, saying only four or five more players, then that kind of tells you where we're at. I think that squad's good enough to stay up. It's just whether how ambitious we are is to take those steps up to think- mid-table and up in mid-table. It's what you want to get out of this year. Because it's if it's 17th position, then that you'd probably be all right with with what we got. I saw Pritchard having a go at Embleton on a number of occasions. Um, so I don't know if that was because he wasn't pressing correctly or he was, or anything like that. It just if a few times, especially in the second half, he was having a right go at him. So maybe you know after the game, maybe there's something in that where he's saying he goes you know, a bit Embleton when when everyone the needs on, to he? be yeah, everyone needs to be. You know, it was all hands to the pump that second half. I think you know. <laughs> That was, you know, think about all the, the games we've played in the last four years. That was, aside from Arsenal in the cup, that was the hard, like our hardest, like the hardest game, like, but easily, like, it just was, like, it was very hard. Um, and if it, it, you know, once you get into the season, people are going to get better. Some people are going to get worse. It's going to be good form, bad form. And, and you know, it, I don't think it's going to be like that every week. Um, I think the opening date's always a little bit of a leveller, isn't it? 
and I guess that can go either way. Um, but you know, I think we'll see where we are after sort of 10 15 games in terms of you know, we could go Bristol City at the, at the weekend and you know, win that game, or you know, you lose that game and people will be you know, with more negative comments about things. Um, you know, I don't know, they had a pretty, they've had a pretty poor time of it in the last sort of 18 months, haven't they, really? So, the last Saturday, didn't they? I think I think that'll be an interesting one um, to, as a as a yardstick. They lose all their games after ninety minutes last season. If their if Bristol City season finished bang on ninety minutes, they'd have probably been in the playoffs. They lose lots of late goals, and it happens oh, again well, on Saturday, ninety third minute goals. So that's hand, handy for us. Yeah, if we if we continue the trend from last year, but we should be letting uh, Tom and uh, Matt discuss that on Thursday. Apo- apologies. <laughs> right. Well. Um... I think we all know we need to strengthen Alex Neil as much as anybody. Um, so we'll have a little break now. Then we'll come back. We will uh, bully Phil Smith into giving us some inside information. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to the Wiseman Say podcast. Okay, uh, Phil Smith has a transfer scoop for us, exclusive here. Someone need more players. <laughs> Breaking. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, Phil, I know, like you know, Neil said at the end of the game, he, he said what we all, I think we all knew before the start of the game, but we now all definitely know after watching the game. Coventry bought four subs on, as Johnny's just said there, and and they had the bench strong enough to do that. When you're looking at our bench, you're probably thinking Roberts, Sims, or nine, and that's it in terms of positively changing the momentum of a game. So um, it's it's crucial now that he, he gets some players in. Where do we think he's looking at? Well, he definitely wants another striker. I mean, I think that, that would have been obvious anyway, but he sort of confirmed that after the game. Um, I think, as everyone knows, obviously, ideally, that would be Broadhead, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. I think looking up at the looking at the makeup of the bench and who he didn't include, Diaki's obviously had some fitness issues, um, which is partially why he wasn't included. But Diamond as well, if we look at Diamond, he's only really had 45 minutes on the wing in pre-season. Otherwise, he's been playing sort of out of position up front. Leads me to think, I think there's a strong chance he'll leave, whether it be on loan again or, or permanently. So I think a combination of, you know, Diaco and Diamond, I think it would 
probably look to sign another winger. I think the fact that Matete didn't make the squad, um, I think, would suggest that obviously I know it's early days and obviously he's a young lad and can fight his way in, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he wants another centre midfielder as well, um, given the way he went with the squad on on Saturday and what we've discussed with all nine as well. So I think there's probably three. Um, and I think you could make an argument still on the left side of defence. They're still quite light, aren't we? Um, certainly at fullback. So I think it's fairly easy to see where the sort of four or five, four or five comes from. And yeah, I think it was obvious that we didn't have those attacking options to change the game. Roberts came on and, and did okay in the last stages. Obviously, Sims isn't quite getting up to sharpness, um, isn't quite sharp yet. But um, yeah, I think if you look, he wasn't in the squad. I think that kind of gives away where where he's looking to to strengthen. I don't. I don't. You know, Evans was written off by a lot of people last season. So certainly not going to do that after one game. I thought he really struggled with the um, the upturn and pace from what is obviously going to be in this division. Um, it could be a, it just could be one-off. I, I, I just think Blackburn probably let them leave to go to a League One team for a reason. And Well, I, I think you need you need another one, another player who's natural doing that role, don't you? Because at the moment, if you ask Neil or Nine or Matete to do that, you know, they might they might be able to do it, but it's not a natural. Their game is more about carrying the ball or getting up and pressing. So, you know, whether or not you rate Evans, I think he's good enough at this level, it's not sustainable to only have him for a 46-game yeah. schedule like we've got. So, for me, that's an obvious area where I think um, I think you can make a big difference by getting in a, a proven proven operator, if you like. Yeah, I think that position under 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 forward wide player are the two. I still think, I still think you need two forwards. If, if you're likely to loan Diamond out, which looks like it... Um, you know, Diaku, I think, has got promise, but has been inconsistent and is a real unknown quantity at this level. So I still think you need I still think you need two forwards, a, a striker and a wide player or a combination of the two. Um, you know, you're gonna it's Coventry used their subs really well, and there are teams in this league who are going to be able to do it even better because you know they'll have bigger and deeper squads than Coventry do. Um so it's gonna be so important. We're gonna lose a lot of points in the last twenty minutes of games unless we get you know, you need a lot of forward options this season at the moment. I think some of them are very short. I think he'll let Diamond go. Gets a fee from. Well, yeah, I think I think that's I think that's a I think that's a possibility. Um, he, he he has got a a long contract, so I think the question is whether whether someone's able to meet the fee. Um, so I think that may, means that a loan is for the possibility. Um, but I think when you look at how light the bench was in in forward areas, I think for Diamond not to into the squad I think probably suggests that he's likely to, to leave whether it's a loan or a permanent isn't the thing we're, we're, again we're missing that physicality um, and that's an, you know in terms of attributes I'll be looking at you know especially in the middle of the park we're very sort of diminutive aren't we there's, there's nobody there really with a little bit of presence everyone's sort of quite like sort of like a sort of slight ball players low centre of gravity that sort of thing um, I'd like to see, you know, a bit of physical presence in there, a bit of athleticism. You know, I think that's what it's. That's the they're the things that are gonna give us the edge because we need some players in there who can do some of the stuff the Coventry players were doing um, to give the other players the option, opportunity to to play and impact the game. Um, so that I'd be more looking at profiles in terms of what you know what somebody's offering. Looking in that market, you know, rather than specific players, but 
you know, maybe that's overrated. I don't know. Um, maybe it's too sim- simplistic a view. I just think in terms of blend, I, I don't I feel we are lacking a bit of that, a bit of presence. You know, Sims like sort of like warming up and like notably more physically imposing than the other players. Um, to the point where he was like the only one who looked like re- re- really physically imposing. Um, I thought Ballard, you know, there was a few, he had a few, few clashes with their centre forward and really enjoyed that because he seemed to relish it. He really wanted to like, you know, get close to them and, you know, put his body in and, you know, let the, let the forward know, you know, he, he was in the game. Um, and that's really important, I think, um, not to be bullied. Because that's a danger, isn't it? If you don't, if you don't show any of the, any teeth, you will get. You know, I think we saw that a little bit in the in the Rotherham games last season. Um, and you know, on both occasions, and obviously we drew the game at home, but we did get bullied at times in that game, and obviously away from home, we certainly did. Um, so I just want to. I'd, there'll be a lot more teams with built. For purpose, like those sorts of teams, and I do. My worry is if you get, like, you know, into a bit of a bad spell in your season, you come up against these teams, and they just, you know, you're getting ragdolled all over the place. Then, you know, it's very difficult to try and win games. Presence in midfield, and we think definitely, I think we all can agree on reinforcements. Uh, uh, the top end of the pitch, Sunderland always seem to go out of a season, Johnny. Um, ill-equipped or uh, in the full-back position. It's a, probably the right-back position this year. Gooch now, it's hard to see him not being a right-back permanently. Um, under Neil, obviously, that lots of pros and cons come with that. Lots of obvious weaknesses to that. I, brilliant for the goal yesterday, Gooch, obviously. Um, Hume has looked okay pre-season, from, from, from what I've seen. Is it the case now that because these other positions that we've mentioned have to be priorities because they're so influential in terms of what they can bring um, to a style of play and to dictate a game that we almost might have to just make do with what we've got now in the full-back positions. Yeah, um, I mean, if he persists with the the three at the back and wing-backs, then I think Trihume will struggle to get in as that wing-back. I think as a... As an orthodox right back, I think he's had a good he's had a good preseason. He's 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 got himself forward a lot and um, put himself about, and obviously as an actual defender, so defending is <clears throat> what he does. Um, I know Alex Mills alluded to Gooch as his his right sided man. So whether that's right of a front three, right back, right wing back, he seems to think Gooch is his man on the right, and um, obviously he's given him a new contract. Um, so he probably has that faith in him. Uh, whether we go out and buy another right back, I doubt it. I don't know how long now Huggins is is out injured for. Um, but from what little I've seen of him, I think he's, he's he's a very capable footballer and would fit the mould of the type of football we're, we're looking to play. Um, but yeah, that left side reinforcement's a big one because Jack Clark doesn't really, for all his credits going forward, and I really, really rate him, he's... Um, He's, he's not got a lot of defensive attributes and he's, that's not what he was signed for. So he's being asked to be a wing-back. Um, obviously, he's got a left-sided centre-back in there to support who will overlap. But 
Sirkin gets injured, all of a sudden we start to look a little bit weaker. And then you're going down the Elisi, Elisi, the new player from West Ham that's on loan. Um, he's a left-sided centre-back who can play full-back. But again, is it square pegs and round holes? Are we the whole Winchester 09 midfielders playing full-back thing? Are, are we going to have a branch out to a squad that's big enough to have dedicated players for dedicated positions? Because um, that really is what most of the rest of the teams in the championship are probably doing. They've probably got well-established squads. We saw that with Coventry yesterday. Um, so personally, I think we can get by on the right if Hume get, um, if Huggins gets, gets fit soon enough. Um, but that left side definitely needs some form of reinforcement because it's been a really weak area for us in the last few seasons with the likes of McFadden, Denver Hume's fitness. Um, we've really been let down in that position and it's the position we used to have a lot of success with going back to the um, the Mickey Gray days and that so. mm, Right Phil what are we thinking about how long we're going to have to wait for this because this business seems to be rushed at the end of August isn't it historically um, and there, there are games before that and we, we could do with this happening sooner we could do with quicker reinforcements than that yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, you know, especially as I said, I think in the forward areas, I think it's imperative that we get a, a lot more depth in pretty quickly. But, you know, we've seen it before that, you know, a lot of the movement in the lower divisions does happen later in the windows because ultimately the strengths with the Premier League clubs who operate on a on a very, very different different timeline. I think just going back to the to what we discussed now with the fullbacks, unless something's changed in the last couple of weeks dramatically, I don't think they see right back as an issue, to be honest. I think it's obvious that he sees Winchester primarily as a right back as well. Huggins, I think it's seen more of a left-sided defender than a right-sided defender, to be honest, when he's fit. Um, but I don't think that's going to be any time soon. So I, I do think left back might be something they're trying to address. Um, but you're right, I think it's it's a it's a strange season this year because you play seven league games by the time the transfer window shuts. And that's potentially a lot of momentum you can lose on your rivals. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, really important. <clears throat> okay, it is. Anything else to add, Gareth, on the transfer front before we call it a day? No, not really. Uh, just hope you know they do get the the players in that he that he wants. Um, because we're going to need them, and that's not being negative. It's just you know, I do think with Neil as as the manager with this group, we we could we we should stay up because I think he's you know defensively. Really great, um, and we we should be able to not lose enough games um, in in staying games long enough to try and nick them. But if we want to make sure we you know we at least challenge towards the lower lower mid table, I think we are going to need the players he wants to to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely, all in agreement with there. Right, that's the first Monday show. Uh, of the season out of the way. Thanks for your support over the last 10 seasons. Can you believe that? Absolute madness. Um, right. Well, um, Matt and Tom will be back uh, later in the week. Um, we don't have a midweek game. Um, they're going to come around quickly enough, aren't they? Um, but we, we don't have one this week. So Matt and uh, Tom will be back to look at the Bristol City game at the weekend. So make sure you tune into that. Thanks to Phil. Thanks to Johnny. And thanks to you for listening, as always.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.